Let's see, um, if, kiddos, if you'd like, you can follow Miss Brenda out the back there to Children's Church. I say Miss Brenda, I don't really know who's doing it, but uh, someone is doing something with children, I think. So, anyway, thank you guys for that time in worship this morning. Fantastic. Let's see, um, let's see, I, I forgot a couple of things, too. Oh, Evie is here today. Hey, I'm glad to see you, Evie, and happy birthday. Are you going to come give me a hug? Yeah, happy birthday. She's a very she's a hugger. Yeah, thank you, Evie. Yeah, happy birthday this week. What day is it? Tuesday. Tuesday. Awesome, awesome. Excellent. So everyone's coming dressed as mermaids, huh? 
Excellent. Hard to walk, but easy to swim that way, right? Yeah. <laughs> you are. Fantastic. All right. Very good. We also have um, Cheryl Schutz is with us this morning. Always a pleasure to see Cheryl also. So, uh, yeah, so Mike and Cheryl are on furlough here in the United States. They're leaving Lesotho, South Africa. They're with uh, Mission Aviation Fellowship, if y'all don't know them very well. But with Mission Aviation Fellowship, Mike is an air, airplane mechanic with MAF. And uh, they're here for just another month. They're, y'all are leaving July, did you tell me the 9th? So y'all got, they got uh, uh, just a, another 30 days left here in the States before they go back. When they go back, they're going to be going into Uganda um, to, uh, to do mission work there. And it's actually the mission work y'all are going to be doing is in supporting, I'm sorry, you were like in Uganda, but it was really to support some of the work that was happening in, in the Congo. Yes, I'm sorry. I, I couldn't get those two countries straight in my head. But in the Congo, right next door, just to the right, you know, east of, uh, of Uganda. So anyway, so they'll be going back here in about in a month. So anyway, boy, pleasure to, to have you surprise us this morning. I'm so glad to see you here this morning. Uh, Mike's up in, uh, in uh, what did you tell me, Washington State uh, doing some more training. So anyway, Mike's going to be gone for another couple of weeks. Uh, before uh, 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 Cheryl gets him back. So anyway, so glad to see you here this morning. Also need to say, but because, I, man, I, I was just telling you during the announcements how old and forgetful I've gotten. Um, we also have um, uh, Trey um, Andrews that was here last week is preparing to go on a trip this summer in July uh, to Germany. And so if you're interested in contributing to that, to his trip um, and uh, to Germany, um, would you just, um, yeah, if you'd like to donate to that, and I should have said this before offering, I apologize, but just catch us afterwards and we'll get that, we'll get that into, the, uh, into the offering for his support. If you'd like to do that, if you've got a check, just put in the memo, or if you'd like to use an envelope back there, just mark it that that's for, for Trey's um, mission work. So uh, anyway, so that we can get that directly to them. So, okay, anyway, I think now after two and a half hours, I'm finally through with announcements. Let's jump in. We're, we're going to be talking in the month of June. We're going to be talking about love. You know, we've got some friends who are... Uh, some of our college friends, I say college friends, they're not actually in college anymore, but some of our friends that have been in college and are, and are done with college, and uh, Jenny and Jacob and, and, um, and several of the others were just telling me that they're going to be gone for about the next seven or eight weeks because they have so many friends getting married. June, boy, May, June, July, all these months so busy about weddings and stuff and, and really so great, but um, it's appropriate time, I think, for us to be talking about marriage and love and men and women and, and all that stuff. So we're going to be talking about the, God's calling specifically and, and the roles and responsibilities, really, that, that God has placed on men and women. And today I'm going to hit really hard this today about God's calling on men in particular. And then next week, um, I'm really excited, been, been really been back uh, in, in Genesis a lot here preparing for these messages and, and going to be talking about why we have conflicts in marriage and, and what happened during the fall that really has caused a lot of, a lot of that continues to cause a lot of problems in marriage and relationships. Um, and then also um, what God's doing to redeem that, what God's doing to, to, re, to resolve those, those problems with sin that we have um, in our marriages. So um, anyway, today we're going to be in Genesis chapter 2. It's interesting, um, it's interesting, whenever you see um, Jesus asked about marriage, he gave a response that was back in Genesis chapter 2. When Paul was talking about the role of women, in particular when the relationship to men in First in Timothy, he found his answers about the roles and, uh, and the differences between men and women back in Genesis chapter 2. It just seems like whenever there's a question about the gender or roles or, or marriage, it always goes back in the, from the New Testament, always refers back to the, the New Testament, especially the second chapter, um, to talk about, about what, how God established men and women to work and, and what calling he plays on them and how marriage works. And 
and all of that comes about in, in uh, Genesis chapter 2. So since I'm no smarter, certainly, than Paul or Jesus, I too will go to answers about marriage in Genesis chapter 2. So if you have your Bible on you or with you, um, we're going to be in Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to read um, starting in verse 8, I believe. Did I have you start in Genesis eight, uh, 2, 8? Is that right? Yes, okay. Genesis 2.8. So what's happened here so far is that is we've already gotten through in the first chapter, we get through the first six days of creation, and, and God is, is, is forming. In the first three days, God's forming um, the earth. He's forming waters. He's forming the heavens. And then the second three days of creation, he's filling his creation, right? And so there's forming and filling of God's work as he does his work as creator, as God the Father does his work as creator. And then after that, then we kind of pick up in the narrative here in Acts chapter 2, verse 8, um, after God had created Adam. So God has created Adam. At this point in the, in the story of creation, there is no Eve. There is only Adam thus far, okay? So now the Lord had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there, and we call it today the Garden of Eden. Very, very creative, isn't it? The, in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle, isn't that funny? So I was just talking about joy and food that God provides for us. Here in the very beginning, what's he providing? Food that was, I mean, uh, he was providing food, trees that provided food. And then um, they were also not only good for food, they were also good for, for, to look at. They were pretty, right, for, for our joy. Yeah. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We're going to kind of talk about that next week. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there, it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is Pishon. It winds through the entire valley of Havilah where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also found there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third is Tigris. It runs through the east side of Ashur. And the fourth river is Euphrates. Okay, we've all heard those things. Okay, verse 15. Now, this is where we're going to spend a lot of our focus today. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and take care of it. Uh, and then we're going to stop there. We won't get to the fall until next week. But, but here we're going to talk about God creating and, and establishing and putting, putting Adam then in the Garden of Eden. Um, there's a book out um, called The Masculine Mandate. It's written by a gentleman named uh, um, Richard Phillips. And in it, he talks about the masculine mandate, or if you will, it's God's calling specifically to men. And, and what he does is he takes um, this passage in Genesis chapter 2, 15, and he says, this is God's intention for man in particular, for men in particular, from the very beginning that he established Adam and he created Adam and he created all of the Adams to follow under this calling or this mandate as a man, that, that men would be about doing this calling throughout his life, that this is what men are for, this is what we do um, as men, and this is what it is to be masculine, this is what it is uh, for, for men to exist, and this is his calling on us. And he talks about basically what his, his whole point is that th this is God's creation and his attempt not just for Adam, but also for men um, right here today. So um, is it chilly in here to everyone, anyone? Could we kill one of those? Thank you, Carl. I'm a little chilly up here, and I'm usually hot. So anyway, is anyone panicked that we're going to turn the air conditioner down? How about we just do one? We'll, we'll do one, keep the other one on. Okay. Um, so anyway, um, he called, this is God's masculine mandate for, the, for men. And let me point it out to you here. In verse 15, he says, He took men in the Garden of Eden, and he, did them, he, he put him there to do two things. Notice it here. 
to work it and take care of it. So let's go through these just real, real quickly. The first one, one the, the word that's translated as work here is the, the Hebrew word avad, which translated is also translated to serve or to labor or to cultivate. And it has the idea behind it of working on something to cause it to grow, to, to, to cultivate, to grow, to create, um, to be building something, basically to be, to be taking something and to, and, to, and to work it to cause it to grow and to prosper. Uh, so uh, that's the that's the idea behind it, and and you know in this respect this has a lot to do with this has a lot to do with kind of how God is, isn't it? God is a is a worker in the sense that he is a cultivator. We see you know the first six days of creation, he's cultivating, he's great creating, he's he's causing things to grow, and he's bringing order and he's bringing creation to to something where there was nothing before. And so you, you kind of see this as if we as men are, are image bearers of God, one of the things that we do as image bearers of God is continue, con, to continue his work. If the first three days he formed the earth and the heavens and the stars and the seas and all of that, and the last three days he filled them or, and created order in them, then we as men also do the same kind of work and carry on his image on earth to create, to order, to cultivate, to grow, to build. It's one of God's calling on men, or, or what, what Richard Phillips calls one of the mandates of men. Um, so, so here we go. So men are called to work to cultivate something. And it's not just to cultivate something. You know, I, I think all of us, no matter who we are, men or women, either one, no one just wants to work for a paycheck, right? We want to work at a place where, where we really feel like we're contributing to something, Right? I, I think that's part of God's thumbprint or his mark on us that we, we you know, I don't just want to work so that I can get paid every couple of weeks or every month or whatever it is for you, but you want to work at something important, something significant, right? Here's a point I think that Christians get, um, get often um, get, get confused about is that sometimes we see that we, we kind of think of the, in terms of the world as being, as being kind of divided down the middle. There's church work and there's work in the church and there's work in your personal um, uh, ministries or whatever. And then there's what I do in the world to earn a living. There's the secular part of the world. There's, there's keeping up my house. There's, there's doing, you know, things out in the world. And that there's this divide. And that God's, in, God's really um, interested in the things that I do in church and in my personal ministry, but he's really not interested in the secular things that I do. Let me, let me suggest this to you. There is nothing secular in the world. There is nothing that God is not interested in, amen? And this divide that we kind of put up in our lives between something that's sacred and something that's secular, this divide in the Scriptures doesn't exist, right? In the Scriptures, you're going to see God talking about how much He loves justice. He loves loves judges who are just and righteous and upstanding. God is interested in justice. He's interested in in criminal justice. He's interested to see that people uh, in the, in, you know, we have several police officers and, and, and people who are in criminal justice in our, in, our, in, our, in our church, in our congregation here. God is interested in those things. He wants to see righteousness done. He wants to see justice served. He, he's interested in law. He's interested in, in, in community. He's interested in order. He's interested in, in, in law and all of those things because he loves justice. 
But not only that, there's actually passages of Scripture that talks about farming. You know this? It talks about passages of Scripture where he says, you know, in particular, you plant wheat in rows, right? That, people knew that way back in, in, in the times of the Scriptures. And God actually talks about those things, about how things are planted. God is interested in planting, it was his, in farming. It was his idea how different seeds and different crops would grow in different ways. So he's involved even in things like farming. Listen, no matter what you put your hand to, God is interested in. He loves us to form. He loves us to fill. He loves us to create and to cultivate and to grow. And that's why all the way in, into the New Testament where you see Paul is talking to slaves, and he talks to slaves and he says, if you serve your masters well, well, what were they doing? They were, they were preparing meals for their masters. They were working in their fields. They were doing all these things that we would consider secular things. But he says, if you, re- if you serve your masters well, you'll receive a reward in heaven for working the fields and for feeding. Do you see what I'm getting at? This idea that there's a secular part of my life. There is no secular part of your life. That's because God created all of this, and he's interested in how we fulfill his mandate to work and to cultivate and to create. Listen, if you're an accountant and you crunch numbers all day long, there's something good and godly about that, right? right? For, for, us to, for us to build a system by which we can track and keep up with money and spend it in a way that's honoring and pleasing to God, that's a godly thing to do. If you're a janitor somewhere, if you work somewhere to clean and you're bringing order in, and right, this is all of us in some degrees, right? You go to your house and there's a constant battle, right, against dirt in your house, right? Mine too, especially in the panhandle of Texas, right? Uh, but there's, a, there's constantly ordering and there's constantly cleaning. Listen, this is all part of ordering and this is all part of the thumbprint and the fingerprints of God on us to bring order where there wasn't order before. And that's good and godly and pleasing to God when we do it with an attitude to glorify him. It doesn't matter what you do. Your work ought to be worthwhile in that, it, one, it, it glorifies God. And the second thing, and no matter how, how you think of it, that it, it is an orderly thing that you're doing. No matter what business you're in, it, it, God is interested in it, especially if you do it with, with, a, with a heart to honor him. And the second thing, it ought to benefit other people, right? No matter what you do in your life, if it, if it glorifies God and it benefits other people, it's a good and godly work, amen? And it's not just a paycheck. It, it's something that's good and godly. Um, and so, so for that reason, matter of fact, I, I brought a couple of... Um, a couple of visual aids here today. Forgive me, pardon me, turn my back on you. Bring in a couple of these things here. So um, the, the image here is, is of a, a, a trowel uh, first. And, and so a man's work is first is, is to work with his hands, is to do something that, that builds and cultivates. And, and in the garden, this is an example you know, of a trowel, is to plant and to cultivate, to cause the ground to grow something, to, to grow food, to grow flowers, to grow whatever it is. And so in that, in that way, a man should carry in his hand something to build up around him. It is for the benefit of his family, for the benefit of his community, for the benefit of, of his church. Ought to be building something and doing something worthwhile with his work. And in the meantime, God uses that often to provide for our families, amen, which is a great thing. So in one ways, a man is carrying a trowel or a tool that, that he ought to be building with um, and, and ought to be doing. So, so here, let me just encourage you before we move on. I want to encourage you, no matter what you do, no matter what your job is, it can be a godly thing, amen? This is not some secular part of your life. This is God's calling on you to be like him in ordering and organizing and building and cultivating something. That's a good and godly thing for us to do, especially for us as men. And the first part of, our, of the masculine mandate for us is to work or, or to serve or to labor or to cultivate. 
Okay, the second part um, is um, the second part is this is that uh, is that word. So the first one is he put him in the garden to work it and to take care of it. That word "take care of" can also be trans is is uh, from the Hebrew word uh, shamar, which is also translated to watch over or to guard or to protect. And you, you know we see this all of society recognizes this right is that men are protectors. They're protectors of their family. They're protectors of their community. They're protectors uh, of their nation. That's why typically, and not always, of course, and there's nothing wrong with, with women in the service, but typically the, the people who are in service, the people who are in, in, uh, in the criminal justice system, those people are typically men because that's part of the mandate of being a man. And that's why I brought this uh, sword here this morning, which I'm going to pull it out just because it's fun and cool, right? So this is a Navy sword. Yeah, and this came from your dad. So this is from my grandfather, Gene, was his uh, sword in the Navy. Yeah. Something. Merchant Marines. Brought it back from the war. So, you know, just kind of cool to anytime you get to hold a sword up. So, so in, in a way, so a man should always have in his hand something to build and cultivate and to grow and to form and fill just like our creator did. But on the other hand, we know that our God's not just a building and, and, and creator. He's also ferociously defensive of his people. Amen? And, and this is where, to be like God, we too have to bear in a hand um, a, 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 a sword is, is kind of the picture here. There's no better place than, than where this kind of comes together than in the book of Nehemiah, um, which we just got through reading here together here a couple of months ago. But um, would you bring that up, Jennifer, if you haven't already? In Nehemiah chapter, chapter 4. It talks about what happens in the book of Nehemiah. God calls Nehemiah back to Jerusalem, and when he gets there, you remember the story, the walls are broken down. Uh, there, it, it's, the, the, it's actually shameful, the, the state of the city. The walls are broken down. There's no defense for the city. And so Nehemiah call, or God calls Nehemiah back to the city, and he encourages everyone, every person who's there, to get involved in rebuilding the walls so that Jerusalem can be defended, and it won't be a place of shame or scorn, but it can be a place um, of, of pride, really, for them. Uh, and pride about how God has protected them and provided for them. Uh, so anyway, there's this great place in, in the book of Nehemiah where there's just this, there's this constant onslaught of, of um, trouble from the enemies of the Jews, just always causing trouble, always plotting against the Jews. And there's this great place where it says Nehemiah gave orders to some of the commanders to stand behind um, the people of Judah. But not only that, to the people who were building and the people that were carrying materials, he gave them this order. Look at this. From that day on, for, okay, from that day on, half of, the, of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows and armors. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall, those who were carrying the materials and did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. Do you see the picture again here? This is kind of like the masculine mandate. It is that in one hand, they have something to build, in the other hand, they have something to defend with but always in mind, always building, but always defending. That's just a I'll get it in a minute. That's a perfect picture of the masculine mandate from, from Genesis chapter 2. With the other hand, they held a weapon in the other, and each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked, but the man who sounded this trumpet Nehemiah, stayed with me, stayed with Nehemiah. Isn't that a great picture? Isn't that a great thing that, that the men, even while they worked, they were fulfilling their role to build, up the, 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 to build and create the wall of Jerusalem again, to, to build that back up, but always with a hand, always with a sword at their side or in their other hand, that they might be ready to defend their own people and their own families. Yeah, you with me? The masculine mandate to work 
and to protect. Let me put it a different way. To serve and protect is kind of, yeah, the, the police department stole that from us, didn't, it? didn't they? Stole that from the church shamelessly. But anyway, yeah, to serve and to protect, to have a mind towards serving our, our family and our communities, but to also have a mind towards protecting our families. And before I go on, I, let's have a little audience participation time. Tell me what ways, obviously, how many of you carry a sword? Um, probably not very many of us, right? So, but tell me, in what ways today are we as men called to protect in, in what ways? What are we protecting from, men? Right, there, there, we have no enemies at our door. You know, we don't have the Philistines or the Philippines. Not really ever any Philippines in the Bibles. But anyway, never don't have any Philistines. Don't have any of our enemies. Um, yeah, <laughs> Carl, Carl, Carl showed his, his blade. He's got about a three-inch pocket knife. Okay, that's good. Uh, what else? What else? Yeah, there's, there'd be a good time if we held swords, there might be more injured televisions, right? So it's maybe good. Huh? Sledgehammers, yes, yes. I've heard of wire cutters on the electrical cord. That works too, I understand. Uh, someone I know of. But anyway, that's for another time. What else? Yeah, so, so yeah, what Jamie's saying, is it, is it, is it a men, is, we're, we're like gatekeepers is, is, is what, yeah, what I've heard too, is that, you know, we're supposed to be there to protect our family from, from evil influences. I, I think that's certainly true. And, and in some ways, men, right, we're supposed to be setting a standard for our family. We're supposed to be setting a standard for our, our children that says, uh, oh, no, no, this is not appropriate for us as God's people. This is what's appropriate for us as God's people. Yeah, what else? What other ways are we supposed to be, what other things are we supposed to defend against? <clears throat> yeah, culture and customs. Yeah, you see any change in, 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 in what you see on television today versus what you did back in the 80s? Uh, it's shocking, isn't it? You know, my, my kids were asking to watch something the other day that was rated R on Netflix. Well, it was rated R, but that was 20, 30 years ago. Right now, today, now, I mean, it, it, it'd be PG at, at best, right? Uh, there, you know, as culture continues to change, the scripture and what's right and wrong does not, right? Uh, and so for that regard, we've we got to continually guard against culture. What was the other thing you said? Culture and customs, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and, 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 um, and, you know in, in some ways, we, we, those, of us who, those of you who have leadership responsibilities in the church, we also have to be protective about things that creep into the church that may not be gospel. And it happens all the time. I mean, there are churches, very active churches today um, that have allowed things to creep in that are not gospel, that are not scriptural. And that's something we have to guard against too. And matter of fact, uh, you know, one of the descriptions of, of uh, leaders in the church is a shepherd. Well, shepherd carried a staff, right? Staff was not always a defensive weapon, right? Sometimes it was to go on the offense and to, and to make correction or to uh, go up against an enemy uh, in the church. And that's important for, uh, for us as, as, uh, as those of you who are in church leadership to know. Um, we, have a, we have a doctrine to defend. And, and I'm not going to defend the ones that are unimportant. Um, uh, the ones that are, are important, those have to be defended. The, you know, salvation by, by grace through faith. Um, boy, there's just nothing else, right? So, okay. Um, but what else? Anything else?
Yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's great. That's great, and certainly, yeah, that is certainly a part of it. We're going to talk about that next week. So what's the difference between the roles of men and women, and how are women, and how do women fit in there with men, and, and kind of what's happened that, that, uh, that, uh, that, that we have uh, trouble today in our marriages? Um, you, you know, the other thing I wanted to say is this, is that <clears throat> there are a lot of men around us who get confused about which to wield at what time. You know what I'm saying? There are men who do battle against their own families. Right, you know what I'm talking about. There, there are men who, I, I, I don't know, I, I say a lot of things about this kind of thing, I guess, but um, there are men who create a bigger hole than they fill in their families. There are men who, with addictions um, of all sorts, from drug addictions to pornography and other things, that create a bigger hole in their family than they actually fill. And instead of defending the family, they actually go on attack against their family. And uh, that, that's a frightening thing to me. <clears throat> I sincerely believe all of us will stand before the Lord one day and ask, what did you do with the wife that I gave you? What did you do with the children that I gave you? Did you do what I called you to? Did you work for them? Did you serve them? Did you cultivate your children? Did you cultivate your wife? Did you raise her up? Did you, did you help her to become all that she could be in the Lord? Or did you wield your sword? Not a good answer. That's not going to be a good answer for you, right? Um, did you cultivate? Did you care? Did, did you pick up the right tool at the right time? Were you cultivating to your family? Did you cultivate? Did you build something in your church? Did you build something at your job? Or were you the one who just was always destructive? Listen, God's really <clears throat> good at striking the balance here and in the wisdom about knowing which tool to wield at which times. And we as men, sometimes we struggle with that. There's a time to draw your weapon and to defend your family. There's a time to draw your trowel and to cultivate and to grow and, and to build them up. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> it's, hard. <clears throat> it's hard as men, especially because we're all broken. We've all been corrupted by sin. And sometimes we pick up our sword and we go on the attack against our own family yeah? with, our, with our mouths, right? with our tongues. Not, this is not what God had intended. He intended for us, for us to be cultivators to be servants to our family, to lead like Jesus did, right? Did, did Jesus lead? Was he one of those front runners who said, oh, this is all about me. I want to look important. When things are going well, I want to be out front. No, you have a boss like that, don't you? Uh, no, some of us do. <clears throat> but <clears throat> I don't. Goodness, this is going to be on podcasts. I need to be careful. No, my boss is not like that. But I know other people who are very much front runners uh, who, are, who are like that. But, but not for us. This is not for us. Ours is to be servant leaders like the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay. Um, <clears throat> let me close like this. You know, what I see in our culture right now is really kind of shocking to me about how little leadership we see of people who are in leadership positions. All the way, and especially in Washington, man, it's like a plague up there where no one wants to say, this is what's good, and this is what's right, and this is what I'm for. Instead, we get all of our language confused with political correctness, and instead of dealing with and saying, this is what's important, and this is what's right, and this is what I'm for, we have people who try to use weasel words to say, I'm not taking any responsibility, but when someone else does and someone else says what they're for, I'm going to be an armchair quarterback and I'm going to criticize them all day long. And somehow in our society, we respect that. I, I, I don't understand it. I, I don't. Listen, Men, and I, I want to talk to you gentlemen who are older men, and I, I don't mean in your 60s, but, but uh, well, maybe in your 60s. I want to talk to you who, guys who are older men. It is the responsibility of the church to grow up good and godly men. 
who do honorable things in their lives, who can grow up and take the next generation to where they need to go. And you and I have a responsibility to teach men how to wield the weapons of, of protection and how to wield the weapons of cultivation and growth and to teach them what's appropriate. And how to be a man is to be able to discern and be able to step up when it's time to do which one. It's one of our responsibilities, men, is to, is to guide and, and, and provide for the next generation. Listen, it was built in our society for generations. It's no longer there, right? Anyone who would step up and would wield any authority today, everyone looks at them and say, well, who do you think you are, right? No one respects that in our culture today. It, it has to be taught in the church for men to grow up to be honorable men is to work through service, to grow, to cultivate, to build, and to be defensive of what's right and good and godly in our lives. Amen? It's the role and responsibility of church. Listen, and, and all of us who are, who are graying or going gray, right? Uh, and by the way, I was standing out in the sun the other day, and Brenda said, man, you have a lot of white hair in the back of your head. It's like, yeah, I, don't, I don't know that. I don't see that. You didn't have to tell me. I, I didn't need to know, right? But for us, it's, it's important. The church has to grow those men. It has to teach them about what it is to have a masculine uh, leadership and what it is to be a man. It's our job because it's not going to happen in our society. It's not going to happen in our schools. If it doesn't happen through church, our next society will be in worse shape and leadership than we are today. Uh, we can't stand it. And our culture, will, our, our society will not make it like that. Amen? Uh, we, we've got to have godly leadership, and it's got to come from the church. It's got to come from young men who grow up in the church. Amen? It, it's got to happen here. It, it has to. So remember that. Uh, you know, there's, there's a good thing to be said about uh, uh, about um, those relationships where a man's taking uh, a young man aside and saying, let me tell you, let me teach you about all that I've learned and all that I've done wrong about being a godly father. L let me teach you about all I've learned about being a godly husband. Let me tell you about how I learned to treat my wife in a way that was honoring to God. Uh, let me teach you and, and help you with that. Yeah? yeah? Okay. Listen, I'm, I, we're out of time today. So, so let me just pray this over. So would, would you just bow your heads over for just a moment and, and we're going to, well, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, um, Lord, as we, as we hear these things today, as we hear what is, what, what's been called the, the masculine mandate for, for men to, um, to work and to keep or to, to protect and to serve, Lord God, our, our desire in men, as men, Lord God, we want to be who you've called us to be. Uh, we want to we build up. We want to we create. We want to fill and, and form just like you did, God. And, and we want to we carry out your, your mandate on the earth to organize and order and build and fill the earth just like you did. We, we want to be part of something significant. We want to take our job seriously and to, and to bring honor to our, uh, to our bosses, to our owners, and, uh, or if we're in our, in our own business. We want to we serve people well. We, we want to we be honorable men there in those places. And so, Father, I pray that you'd help us um, to catch a view of this idea that there is nothing sac secular in our lives, that everything in our lives is sacred. Everything in our lives you're involved in, Lord God, and we want to honor you and we want to serve people through it. Just like the Lord Jesus Christ was a, was a servant leader, we want to be servant leaders. Lord God, I pray also that you'd help us as men to know when's the time to stand up and defend. Um, and, and, and Father, uh, uh, to know when, what, what standards we should set as our families. And, and not to be, uh, n not to be um, 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 oh, I can't think of the word, not to be um, uneasy about those things, but, but to be certain that these are the things that you've called us to. 
and to know that this is our role and our responsibility. It's our, it's our calling from you, Lord God, and for us to, to courageously stand and defend our families and to defend our communities and to stand up for what's right and to stand up against what's wrong, to stand up against an evil age in which men are, men are not viewed as, as builders and defenders, but they're viewed as, as, uh, as other things that are, that are not good and not godly. So, Father, help us, I pray, uh, as men. Help, uh, help your church, Lord God, I pray, to raise up the next generation of men uh, to be protectors and servers, we pray. It's in Jesus' great name we, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being here. Love you guys. Hope you all have a great Sunday, and uh, we'll see you Wednesday, if not before, for a little uh, VBS worship and, uh, and prayer time. Thanks very much.